What's up, everyone? I want to tell you about a car that you are going to love. Check it out. The all-new Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe is equipped with everything you need to break free from the dull work week and embark on an adventurous weekend with your family. The all-new Hyundai Santa Fe's features like available H-Track all-wheel drive, standard third-row seating, I love that, available dual wireless charging pads, ensure that you can take on any adventure. So let's say you're ready to take the family on a camping trip or something like that. The Santa Fe is perfect for you. You've got all-wheel drive. You can load everyone up in the third row. It's time to start being adventurous, and you need the right car, and that's the Hyundai 2024 Santa Fe. Learn more about the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com. Call 562-314-4603 for complete details. This is Fantasy Football Today from CBS Sports. On his way to the end zone. I'll tell you what I did with a spectacular play. It's time to dominate your fantasy league. What a play! Off to the races! Some combination of Adam, Dave, Jamie, Heath, and Ben. New intro! Updated intro! It had to include, you know, we just had gone too long without it including Ben Schrager, so we had to make sure Shraggy B <laughs> was in there. Welcome, everybody. Ben Gretsch! Ben, you made oh. the intro. Congratulations. It's about time. You told me yesterday you had some special for me today and to get excited or something like that. But yeah, I was still surprised. I mean, I knew that was coming too. I had, I didn't really know what the heck you were talking about. Heath, I, Heath didn't have any reaction at all. Heath had no idea what was coming. He was just like, didn't care. Not at all. Um, <laughs> I don't, I didn't change anything for me. I don't know why I would. What does Heath act like? When does Heath ever care? Like show emotion about anything? It's true. It's true. He doesn't get emotional. It's really strange. Oh, you guys, if you only knew. That I would love to know. You have to let us know next time you get emotional. Maybe you'll get emotional about the controversial decision I made last night regarding fantasy football. Today we are uh, uh, projecting the NFC and the AFC West. Kansas City Chiefs, they don't run a lot of plays, but man, they're good every time they uh, do run a play. Um, we'll talk about backfield battles with the Chargers, with the Seahawks. Not so much there, I guess, but uh, with the 49ers. Um, yeah, we'll get into it. Uh, let me let me ask you about this decision that nobody's talking about in the fantasy community. I said on Twitter, I said, I have to keep one player in a dynasty league only one year. Round doesn't matter. Non-PPR, Austin Eckler or Aaron Jones. And I let Twitter decide, and they decided 60-40, Aaron Jones, despite the CBS rankings. How do you feel about you said that? non-PPR? Non-PPR. I would take Aaron Jones. You would. What's weird about that. I don't know. I felt like the CBS people would be. I don't have your rankings in front of me. I just have the other three. You know. I thought. Uh, Heath, they, would you still they, take Eckler in that scenario? Yeah, I think I have them as like a push, though. They're like they're right in the same range. Oh, so. <laughs> I feel There's much nothing better. about that surprising, and uh, I don't know why Azer thinks. I was I was surprised it was so lopsided. <laughs> You know? 60 40? Yeah. You're because you're talking about dynasty too. We're not super excited no, it's about one Jones. Year. Just one year. Oh, you said one year. Yeah, I'm I just made a uh, Scott Fishbowl pick. Um, Jack Doyle in the 13th round as my third tight end. Nice. I still only have one tight end. I gotta I gotta definitely change that. All right. Well, um, the start of the show wasn't nearly as as hot, as emotional as I thought it was gonna be. So let's go to the projections. 
See if Heath wants to get uh, start reacting, get emotional over something here. <laughs> um, how about this? Well, actually, I'll throw it to you first. Heath, one thing from the projections of these eight teams, if you wanted to highlight one thing, what would it be? Um, position battles, I guess. I don't know if it's quite the right way to say it, but there is so much uncertainty in role. Like, I think you could have a pretty good debate in Seattle with Tyler Lockett or DK Metcalf, who's going to get the most targets. We've got the whole competition between Tevin Coleman and Raheem Mostert. We've got... In Denver, the Melvin Gordon-Philip Lindsay split. And I think there's a decent chance that Jerry Judy could overtake Cortland Sutton by the end of the year. In With the Chargers, it's who's the second running back with Austin Eckler and what percentage of the carries they're getting. Like A lot of these teams have unknowns in terms of the number of touches they're going to get, more so it seems like than the other divisions. And you didn't even talk about the Raiders, who I think have more than than any team in the league. Every position, it's like... A thing. Nah, uh, well, except for running back, in terms of carries, right? Yeah, but all of their backup running backs have pass catching chops, so we don't know what the running back receiving role will be. And I would even say at tight end, I think people would would maybe disagree with me there too. But they used Foster Moreau in the red zone a lot last year. And now they brought in Jason Witten, and it's like, well, are those guys going to play a little bit more? You know, in, in a way that impacts Darren Waller. I don't know. Oh, you guys have a very, a pretty significant statistical decline for for Darren Waller. Not surprisingly, um, I thought that the projections. Oh, I'm sorry. I will I will give what stood out to me after I throw it over to Ben. Ben, was there one thing that you wanted to highlight? Didn't he just highlight the Raiders? I don't know. I, I he thought I was kind of piggybacking off of yours. I was. I, I'll say I had both uh, Cooper Cup and Robert Woods as top 15 receivers. I didn't think I'd have them both that high. They both came out higher than where I have them ranked. And I moved them up my rankings accordingly. Wondering if you should be moving Jared Goff up your rankings then. Where is he? I've liked him as a uh, late round QB pretty much all offseason right behind Stafford. If you ask me uh, another guy that I'm that I think has been undervalued, it's been Goff frequently. And in six point, I think he's I, I think he came out as QB 11 for me. Oh. So. Um, or no, I guess it's QB and QB 14 and four point. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's right. All right. Well, here's something that stood out to me. You guys have about 190 touches projected for Clyde Edwards, Elair. Uh, the fewest touches for a top 12 running back last year in full PPR was Austin Eckler's 224. So, uh, and Mark Ingram had 228. So that, that was two guys who were kind of low touches, but, I just want to make sure I didn't do the math wrong, but I don't think you have 200 touches for uh, for Clyde edwards Elair, right? No, you do not. So I have 197. Yeah, so that's really low, and and Ben has uh, 188. So and you and you don't have him projected as a top 12 running back, but I just wanted you have him as 20 and 22 respectively for Heath and Ben. But um, I just want people to get kind of get an idea at least last year what it took. The, the fewest amount of touches for any running back in the top 12 was 224. It's I'm not defending Clyde Edwards Elaire's ADP, but this is where we could get into that discussion we had where we went back and forth last week or whatever, whenever it was about players that can come on later in the season, because I don't think Clyde Edwards Elaire necessarily has to finish top 12 to justify, justify being drafted, say RB 12. If he is a top five running back in the second half of the season yeah, uh, and helps you win your league. Yeah. No, ag- agreed. Um, it's a good point. Okay, so then, with that being said, 
Let's uh, let's get into it after we tell you just a couple things. All right, this is exciting. We have to announce this. We are one of 20 finalists in the sports category uh, of the podcast award, the People's Choice Podcast Awards. So what we need you to do, our listeners, our loyal listeners, our army of listeners, go out there and and nominate us, basically, or, or you know, vote for us. It's nominate is, I guess, the right word. But here's what you do. You go to podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up and then toggle down to the sports category. You will see the link to this in the episode description. So you don't have to necessarily memorize all this and just nominate fantasy football today. We need listener nominations. That's how they choose the finalists. And then there's a vote, I believe. So we need your help. Podcastawards.com slash app slash sign up. Go to the sports category. And again, we're putting a link in the top of the episode description as well. So thank you very much for helping us out. Join our Facebook group. Search Fantasy Football Today on Facebook or click the link in the episode description. Chat with the FFT team and other fantasy fans. Ask keeper questions. Join a new league. Discuss draft strategies. It's awesome. Great forum for fantasy football. No news and notes today. We go right to the Kansas City Chiefs. They've been 23rd and 25th in plays the last two seasons, but it really hasn't mattered. They're obviously the premier offense in the NFL, uh, I, I would think. Do you, have projected, do you project that out? Who's going to score the most points? Well, um, last week when we were talking about the, or yesterday, or two days ago, or whenever it was, yeah. we were talking about a team scoring 41 touchdowns and Ben had them at 46. It was the Colts, I think. I've got the Chiefs at 51. I've got them at 53 and a half. That's how I look at them, at, at it, Adam, is is touchdowns, like he's saying. And I'd I, like and to I don't know, think I have anyone for more, more touchdowns than that. Okay, well, I'd like to know Heath's uh, Harrison Butker projection. Do you have that? <laughs> uh, I do not have any kicker projections at all. 11 and a half wins for the Chiefs. What do you think? Over. I'm going to say over pretty easily. Yeah. Okay. Number to know is 114. That's how many points the Chiefs fell off from their league leading mark in 2018. Um, and it might sound, this is just, uh, I think a quote from the article we wrote in the team preview, but it might sound like a lot, but it's pretty comparable to what happened with the Broncos coming off their historic 2013. They only fell from first to second in scoring. It was a 124 point drop off chiefs were something like seventh in scoring last year. Obviously well, Tyreek Hill got hurt. Patrick yeah. Mahomes got hurt, right? right? Right. Yeah. Um, all right. So what do you guys want to highlight with the projections here? Uh, how about Mahomes? Do you, you don't have him for do you have him for 5,000 passing yards? Not quite, right? 48-12 for me. Yeah, and I got him at 48-89, but that's a league-leading number for me. I, I didn't project anyone for 5,000 this year. I think I did project Jameis last year. But, yeah, typically you don't project 5,000 passing yard seasons. And the volume is a big reason why. And, Adam, you noted it, and it, it ties into the Titans point I made yesterday. Their own efficiency slows down their volume. They score so quick they don't run a lot of plays. Mahomes, though, he threw for 5,100 yards two years ago. And before before his injury, his first six games, he's on pace for 5,600 passing yards. So there's there's a lot of potential for even better than these projections, which are great. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, an interesting point, and it's probably a fault of mine, I would say, in my projection, that I probably regressed his outlandish passing efficiency back a little. But if that happens, they probably have to run more plays, but I probably didn't regress their play volume up. And and so now I have this like still slow offense, but that kind of would require him to still have outlandish efficiency. It, it might mean that I'm, I'm missing something. 
well, okay, Mahomes is great, and he's the second quarterback off the board. He'll be first or second in your drafts. Now, Damian Williams, Clyde Edwards, Elair Heath, how did you go about chopping these guys up? This is about as close as I have it for the rookie running backs in terms of total carries. I've got 152 for Clyde, 148 for Damian, and then like 20 or 30 for somebody else. Um, and I, I do have Clyde Edwards there with quite a bit more work in the passing game. I'm not sure that I feel comfortable with that projections. Like he was really good at that in college. Um, it's also something that most rookies have to work their way into. And then much like the Colts, even though I have more carries for Edwards Elaire than I do Williams, I've got them at a push on touchdowns. And I think I'm if I'm if I'm devaluing anyone there, I'm probably devaluing Williams. I think he's more likely to score the touchdowns early in the year at least. Ben, I want you to comment on that, but I also want to ask you about the Clyde Edwards Elaire catches in college, because fifty-five catches is like an enormous number for a running back, but he had 14 catches in his first two seasons. I'll skip his freshman year. He barely played, it seems. But he had 11 catches as a sophomore. And then, like, everyone's numbers were so inflated in in 2019. They just had the greatest offense ever, maybe? I, I don't... Probably. Um, they're one of the most prolific teams ever. So, you, you know, you talk about college stats a lot. And I just wanted to know what you yeah. thought... Um, about the number of 55 catches for Clyde edwards Elair, but in the context of what LSU did last year, is that a number that really pops at you? It still pops, yeah. It's the highest uh, for a running back in the SEC for a, a ton of years. Um, and then it's not – the other thing I would say is it's not uncommon at all for running backs to not be used in the passing game early in their college careers or even throughout their entire college careers. In college, you, you see a lot more offenses just line up and give really good talents handoffs and not throw them the football – um, so we have seen a lot of players who don't catch passes in college then start to show that ability in the pros. I mean, Melvin Gordon's one that, that I mentioned on, on yesterday's show, and we'll talk about him today. Um, he, he caught almost no passes at Wisconsin. It was just such a run-heavy offense, and then, and then he's been able to do it pretty well at the NFL level. So I'm not worried about the fact that he didn't catch many before last year, and I am really impressed by how many he caught in his final season. All right, so why don't you talk about how you split up the backfield? You have Clyde edwards Elair as RB22 and Damian Williams as RB37, whereas Heath has Williams as RB29, getting 28 more carries than you have him for. You only have 120 carries for Damian Williams. Yeah, and I'm not really sure why, because it looks like we have uh, similar overall runs, and I'm not giving a ton of work. to. I, I guess maybe I, I give some work to DeAndre Washington, and maybe I'm allocating more work to like Daryl Williams and Darwin Thompson. And, and I'm giving everybody a few touches because I think they might just rotate those guys in a little bit too still. Um, but I, yeah, I don't think I'm down on Williams. Uh, pretty much everything he said, I'll agree with. And I also think I'm probably wrong to have Edward Solaire for more touchdowns because I agree with that point from Heath as well. I have, I have Edward Solaire comfortably ahead in touchdowns. And I think he's probably right that Williams will, will be trusted more near the goal line. He's been so prolific at scoring touchdowns for the Chiefs. Should people listen to this podcast and feel kind of down on Clyde edwards Zeller Because his ADP right now is RB14 between Josh Jacobs and Todd Gurley. I tried to say this on, on during the uh, Twitch on Tuesday night, and like I don't want people to get down. I think I think that Clyde edwards Zeller is not good or that he doesn't have enormous boom potential. I just... I just think we should draft him around or around and a half later. And then everybody can talk about how awesome he is and how much upside he is. There's nothing wrong with drafting a rookie running back with a ton of upside in the third round. That's what we generally do with rookie running backs. Let's just do that. And then we can all talk positively about him. 
Let's talk about the passing game here. Uh, if you look at teams, <laughs> I like that, by the way. Uh, if you look at teams that have had multiple wide receivers finish top 24, top 25 in the case of the Lions last year, Marvin Jones was just outside the top 24. They are tied very closely to prolific passing offenses in terms of passing yards. So you would think the Chiefs would be a great candidate for that. Um, you don't have any secondary wide receivers other than Tyreek Hill, obviously, projected as a top 50 guy, Hardman or Watkins or Robinson. And, of course, the difference between the Chiefs and those other teams is Travis Kelsey, obviously, cuts in. Um, but, but, yeah, but go ahead. Heath has both Hardman and Watkins for the same amount of targets. I have Hardman seeing four more targets. And I think this is similar to the running back discussion and where should you take him in this and that. The, the reality is if, if either of these receivers winds up being the clear number two, they will smash their ADP. That's part of why Clyde Edwards-Hilaire gets bumped up as well. But these two are really cheap, and I think they're too cheap uh, because the the overarching point and the similarity between the positions, the Chiefs are going to score a ton of touchdowns. That's what we just talked about at the top, right? Like they're going to score. If you have a guy who's in a full-time role in this offense at any point in Clyde Edwards-Hilaire's you know, situation, if Damian Williams gets banged up again and he gets to be the lead back, or, you know, in, in Hardman's situation, if he just beats out Watkins, or if Watkins plays and Hardman's still in kind of a bit role, I mean, these are guys I like taking shots on late in drafts, for sure. Who do you like better? I like Hardman better. I think he's got more more upside generally. Uh, but I have a really good Tyree Kill stat, too, that I uncovered in the projections. Sure. All right, Heath, just tell me real quick who you like better, then we'll get to Tyree Kill stat. Yeah, Hardman. I mean, we've seen Sammy Watkins as the number two with Hardman just playing a little bit, at least when Tyreek Hill was healthy and, and Sammy hasn't delivered on that upside that I think is still there. So Hardman, I'm a little bit more excited about what he could do if he gets the chance. Dare I say, maybe you should draft them both. See what happens. I did that. In friendship the strategy. It's yeah. not really it, the friendship strategy, but it's... Sure. I think it's the best example of the friendship Well, that's because you don't know what the original friendship strategy was. Oh. Yeah. Um, what, what was the original? It's because no, be- it was that if, if that you had two guys and if one of them got hurt, he'd turn into a star. And that's exactly what this is. Um, it was, I think it was more like <laughs> that was a heat side for a Adam. Top, <laughs> um, <laughs> a top 20 guy and like a top 40 guy was the, was the way it started. I think it was uh, Mari Cooper and Michael Crabtree was the original. Uh, what's your Tyreek Hill stat? So we talk about how like his 2019 wasn't quite as good as 2018 was so much better. Um, and, and I've, I've mentioned on some shows that he had a couple games that he got hurt, right? So he had two games where he played sub 20% snaps. He played 19 total snaps, four targets, two catches, 16 yards, barely played in those games. Week one where he broke his collarbone and the Mexico city game against, uh, the chargers is like week 10 or something. He got hurt really quickly in that game, 19 total snaps in those games. We remove those games, take his other 10 games and pace him for 16 games. He has 136 targets. On that pace, his 2018, he had 137 targets. 90 catches, he had 87 in, in 2018. 1,350 yards, he had 1,479 in 2018. And he would pace for 11 touchdowns, he had 12 in 2018. Basically the exact same line with about 100 fewer yards, but almost everywhere else across the board, the exact same line. I actually would argue we have two years now of Tyreek Hill showing that 2018 season, which was the number one non-PPR season, and I, I believe it was number two or number three in PPR. Number three. I think we – number three? Mm-hmm. I think we have two seasons in a row now showing that, and it's hard to project that. Uh, I'm projecting him lower across the board, uh, but I still have him, I believe, 
I have a wide receiver three behind Adams who you have to project for a ton of targets, but I, I, I don't know. I think Hill goes too low right oh, now. Yeah. He's right on par with Adams for me. And I would also say he wasn't very good in the last five games of the year after he got hurt against the Chargers. Just, he was 55 to 72 yards in every game, you know, and he had one game with two touchdowns and that was it. And so if before, I don't know, and he wasn't that good in the playoffs either. I think he had a good Super Bowl, but um, I don't think Tyreek Hill was himself after that second injury. Okay, spent a lot of time on the Chiefs, so let's go to our second team. The Raiders? Really? They're projected to be second place in the division. Oh, it's very close. Oh, it looks like we have three teams with the total at William Hill at seven and a half wins. How about that? Okay, the Raiders are up next. Seven and a half wins for the Raiders. I'll take under. under. Yeah. Under, okay. 43.4%. That's the number. Just 43 points, 43.4% of the Raiders' pass attempts went to wide receivers in 2019. Third lowest mark in the league. Well, I hope they uh, got some new wide receivers. Okay, uh, let's see. Josh Jacobs is round two in between Austin Eckler and Clyde Edwards-Elair. Henry Ruggs is wide receiver 46. Darren Waller's tight end five. He's going 12 picks after Zach Ertz, 10 picks before Tyler Higby. And he's a round six pick right now in ADP. Heath, let's talk about the running back splits here with the Las Vegas Raiders. And it's all Jacobs, but not in the passing game. You give almost all the carries to Josh Jacobs and you hope that he actually holds up to it for 16 games and gets close to 300 attempts, I think. I've got him at 283, but it wouldn't surprise me at all if he got to 300. Really, really struggle with the number of targets to give him because Jalen Richard has been awesome at it. They've got other guys that can fill that role um, they did not act like last year they wanted to throw the ball to Josh Jacobs very much. I still have him with 28 catches. It feels like it might. I don't have any idea what his ceiling is, but that feels like it might be a little bit high looking at it right now. I've got Richard with 35 and then 23 more from the rest of the group. Um, I still don't know, like even with the addition of these wide receivers, like last year or 2018, they were amongst the lowest in the league in terms of the number of the targets that went to their wide receivers. They went out and added Antonio Brown, which obviously didn't work out. They added Tyrell Williams. They added Hunter Renfro, and they were amongst the worst in terms of targets that went to wide receivers. So I I have downgraded Darren Waller more than it feels like I probably should have. I, oh, yeah, I felt the same way. I've been low. down on Waller all offseason, but... Um, I dropped him down to 92 targets and I felt while doing this projection, like um, I would want that number to go up higher than I would want it to continue to go down. Like, I, I feel like he's still a pretty good, pretty good bet for 90 targets. And that puts him right at number five or number six in my projection. So it probably means that I've been a little unfair to him kind of throughout the offseason. Just want to look at the pure stats. Darren Waller last year had, 1,145 yards on 117 targets, only three touchdowns. You guys have him projected 845 yards for Heath, 747 yards for Ben, uh, and less than 70 catches. But more touchdowns, that's good, four to five touchdowns. And and for me, like I said, yeah, it came out at tight end six. But across the board in this projection, and he's probably right uh, about Josh Jacobs' rushes, and I'm probably low on that, but there's probably nothing else on this that I can take anything actionable from. I just guessed at Henry Ruggs, Tyrell Williams, Hunter Renfro, and Brian Edwards' roles, and I didn't know whether to project those. That's who I wound up as a top four, but Nelson Aguilar could play. Zay Jones got like 30 targets last year and could play. 
I just guessed at the backup running back splits with Jalen Richard and Lynn Bowden and Devontae Booker. No idea there. No idea what kind of role Jason Witten's going to play. None of this is something that I feel is actionable for like what their upsides are. Like if Ruggs is the legitimate number one, or if one of those backup running backs is the the clear passing down back, there's value. But right now I just have it all split out and, and none of it seems actionable to me. Agree, Heath? Probably. <laughs> I don't, I can't make a valid argument for any of those things. I've got Ruggs, Renfro and Williams within 16 targets of each other. Like 87, 76, 71. Waller, I dropped all the way to 93 targets and he's still leading the team. Um, it, and that's like somebody's probably going to get 100 targets if they all play 16 games, but I don't know. They may not. I don't, I don't have a good, like, I know how I wish they would use Henry Ruggs. I'd like to see them play Brian Edwards and nothing against Hunter Renfro. I'd like to see them play Brian Edwards and Tyrell Williams outside more, play Ruggs in the slot more and use them more on gadget plays. And then I'd be a little more excited about him. I don't, get very excited about an outside wide receiver for Derek Carr, like running deep and making plays. Well, people, people like Renfro. We get a lot of questions about him and he, he had a good rookie year. We talked about him on Twitch on Tuesday night and Ben pointed out he had two really long catch and run plays, but still in the middle of the season, he was looking like a fairly solid PPR flex option. And doing well for a rookie and just, you know, eight, 605 yards and four touchdowns in 13 games, not so bad. Um, but over 100 of those yards are on those two plays. Well, okay. But it's not like he's not going to have any big plays. And maybe, maybe, actually, maybe he won't. It's kind of a slot receiver. Yeah, yeah maybe I he mean, won't. That's the part that I think is harder to buy into the, you know, the like a big play on a guy who caught these slants and took him to the house as opposed to being like a, you know, a deep threat who made a play. Well, that I might think could happen again next year. Mm. But, Maybe he's like the, the easier way to just like put a bow on the whole Raiders is like draft Jacobs as an elite running back draft Waller as a mid range tight end. And maybe you throw a dart at rugs. Yep. Do you see top five potential for, uh, for Josh Jacobs? And actually, why don't you tell me where he is in your non PPR projections? If you have that or just in your rankings. I do believe there is top five non PPR upside. Um, undoubtedly, I have him ninth right now in non PPR, and I got, he's right behind Miles Sanders. I wouldn't be all that surprised if he was better than Miles Sanders in non PPR. I have him twelfth in non, which is within a couple points of of uh, ninth. They're all really close, right behind Mixon and Aaron Jones and Kenyon Drake. They're all within three points, but I don't have him as high as I thought. And he didn't come out as high in PPR as I thought uh, RB 16. And he was actually like a whole tier below the Mixon and Jones and Drake guys, because he doesn't, I, I didn't project him for are nearly. You, are you going to draft him that way? What? Well, yeah, this made me, this projection made me more concerned about his upside personally to answer your, I, your question. Okay. You know, you, you referenced the rush attempts. I wonder what you have the Raiders at in terms of run pass, because last year they ran more than you would expect for a bad team. And I still view them as a bad team, but they're like a, they're closer to an average team. I think like they went seven and nine last year. They got a seven and a half over under. Um, I've got them at four hundred and eleven rush attempts this year. Ben has them at four hundred and twenty. I have their run percentage coming back toward league average, about two percentage points. But you have them for nine more rushes than I do. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm just splitting out the runs more than I should, but. I don't know how many, like our rushing yards and rushing touchdowns aren't far. I got to tell you, Ben, Devontae Booker's not getting 71 carries. 
Yeah, maybe that's wrong. Yeah. All right. Let's fix that. Okay. Let's go to our well, next. I think, that, but I think that like that's instructive to people because, especially in non PPR, if you gave Josh Jacobs, I think twenty five more carries, he probably moves up three spots in your non PPR rankings. Yep. Or in mine, he would. He'd certainly win in mine. Yeah. All right. Let's go to our next team here. It is the Denver Broncos. Seven and a half wins. What do you think? Under. I'm, yeah, under I'm going under. I'm going under. Pick under for all the AFC West teams that are not the Chiefs. Yeah, they're going zero and six in those three, in those games against the Chiefs, right? Yeah, they're you'll get two of them right. One of them will win seven or eight games, but I yeah. Okay. We'll the, the last one. Uh, the number to know for Denver is twenty three point one. Pat Shermer, who's now their offensive coordinator. 23.1 total touches per game for his running backs last year with the Giants. And that was a three-year low. His running backs hit 27.4 touches per game in 2018, 33.2 touches per game in 2019. So that was one year with the Vikings, two years with the Giants. Pat Shermer. Pat Shermer's good for fantasy, I, I would have to say. Um, and I think the thing that stood out in the projections here was Melvin Gordon and Philip Lindsay. Melvin Gordon's going in round three. Between Todd Gurley and Leonard Fournette, Philip Lindsay is the 44th running back off the board. Uh, Cortland Sutton, by the way, is wide receiver 20 between DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, between the Seahawks guys. But um, yeah, let me just get those projections up because I think it was Heath. Yeah, Heath, you have 203 carries from Melvin Gordon and 56 catches. Ben has only 175 carries and only 43 catches. So just a big gap. RB 16 for Heath, RB 23 for Ben. So Heath, I'll call you the optimist here on Melvin Gordon. Yeah, I don't know how optimistic I am. I have him at three point eight yards per carry, so it's not like. <laughs> wow, how could that? That's pretty low. Well, I think he's got one season of his career over four, right? I yeah, but he's usually like right at four, isn't he? Three point nine four. So I so I should definitely have him a, a tenth of a yard higher. Um, yeah, I think the fact that they went out and added him, they didn't, in my opinion, really have much of a need at running back with Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. And they made the decision to go out and get him and pay him some money. So I'm anticipating that they are going to give him, I've got him at 50% of the team's rush attempts. I may just have a lot more rushes than Ben too. Well, I think it's no, close on our don't. rushes, but I, I have a lot fewer passes. And so that include that, you know, I have him at oh, yeah. uh, Gordon at 43 and a half percent. I have Lindsay at 35%. So I just have a bigger split for, for Lindsay. And you have them running 37 fewer plays, Ben. Yeah. I, so I think there's a legitimate possibility. This team is outright bad for fantasy and, and it all goes back to the quarterback. I think drew Locke could be good, but I was trying to talk about this on Twitch a little last night and we had some big hands that kind of cut in. They chose after Joe Flacco got hurt to start Brandon Allen for three games while he put up a 46% completion percentage so that they could tailor Drew Locke starts to favorable matchups. They did not bring Locke back even when there was a buy in that span. I don't know that a lot of people remember this, but there was all this talk about, like, why aren't we seeing Drew Locke? Brandon Allen was not playing good football. And then they let him play three uh, home games in his final five games. They were against the Chargers, the Lions. I can't remember who. I don't have their schedule in front of me, but not good teams. He played two road games. One of them was also against a not very good team. And then the other was against the Chiefs and they got crushed against the Chiefs. Uh, yes, he went four and one or whatever it was in those games, but he wasn't particularly great. Now they have a lot of uh, talent around him, but I'm not convinced that Drew Locke can start 16 games and be very good. And I don't even think that they thought that last year. I think they just kind of tailored it to make it look really good. Um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not that optimistic on this offense. And I think if you look at his pass attempts in those five starts, 
28, 27, 40, 33, and 28. The 40 was the game at the Chiefs that Ben just mentioned where, I'll take your word for it, they got blown out and have the schedule. Um, but other than that, they did not let him throw the ball. So, And most well, of his throws were underneath. His his average throw up was very shallow. It was a bunch of design screens and things. It everything was, you're saying sounds pretty good for Melvin Gordon. Underneath throws, a lot of running, sure. right? Right? Sure. <laughs> Uh, well, you yeah, like the, in regards to the pass attempts, that is low. But they also like the games that were not the forty attempts. The other four games, they all won. We all just said we think they're going to win fewer than seven yeah. ga- games. Like, I think they're going to be forced into more. And I and I just the That's thing fair. I struggle with. I had them more run heavy before the draft, and they spent almost their entire draft capital. <laughs> on improving their passing game. I don't think a team that just wants to run the ball 30 times a game would have drafted like that, but I, I could be wrong. Did you guys find enough targets for Noah Fant? Heath, you have him as tight end 13, Ben tight end 20, and definitely not a breakout year based on these projections. Yep. I'm, I mean, I'm down on the whole offense, like I said, and I love Corlin Sutton. I have him at wide receiver 33 before um, the draft and they added all this extra talent. I was, you know, targeting him, especially in dynasty formats. Um, I'm pretty much staying away from all these pass catchers. It's just, they're not going to have good projections. Cause I don't, I, I think it's really hard to, to be this optimistic. They didn't even invest in a veteran backup. So if Locke struggles, they can't go to anyone else. They like, I don't even know who their backup is. Are they still have Brandon Allen who was terrible last year. I'm not going to remember who Brandon Allen is in like two years. Yeah, I no have no idea. <laughs> I didn't remember until I, until I did this projection. Um, so with the Raiders and the Broncos. Oh, it's Jeff Driscoll who played for the uh, Lions. And it was actually kind of good yeah, last year. Yeah, yeah I've, and I, I clear, to be clear, I've got Drew Lockett like 7.2 yards per attempt, which was 5%, 10% worse, or 5% worse than league average last year. And one of my lower numbers projected for a quarterback. I don't know that he's particularly good. I just... I don't think they're going to be that run heavy and maybe they just can't run very many plays at all. Um, I've got them slightly below league median, right at league average. I I just think they're kind of a meh team with some really good weapons. And you guys have pretty different projections for Jerry Judy. Heath has 19 more targets, 109 targets, 65 catches, 881 yards, five and a half touchdowns. That's pretty damn good for a rookie. Um, The target number pretty high for that'd be a really good year. Uh, ben has 90 targets, wide receiver 54, 701 yards, and four touchdowns for Jerry Judy. And then for Sutton, just final question here, he's going in between the two Seahawks receivers. How would you rank them? those three? Uh, Lockett is the clear one for me. And then I'll take Sutton over Metcalf still because I'm not very high on Metcalf either. Lockett, big gap, Sutton, then Metcalf. All right, let's go to the Chargers here. I mean, this team, to me, would be the most fun projection or depressing projection. Uh, What's the over-under? Seven and a half. That's my favorite bet so far. Over. The over? Really? All right. Look, that, I'll tell that. that probably, I'll tell that. I'll say over two. I, I trust you. That probably means Tyrod Taylor is going to keep playing, right? I mean, I feel like the more they win, the more they stick with Tyrod. Is that is that does that make sense and does that factor into your projections? Makes that sense. Makes sense, and they I think their schedule starts pretty favorably, right? Well, let's take a look. Like I think that they they do they do have the Chiefs in the first couple of weeks, so they're going to lose that one. But besides that, I think it starts pretty favorably. 
Okay, I love the Chiefs are just like an autumn. The Chiefs are going 16 and 0, by the way. That should be your favorite over under 11 and a half. 19. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Carolina. <laughs> 19. <laughs> uh, they, they'll be 2 and 1, uh, most likely. Cincinnati, Kansas City, Carolina, and then at Tampa Bay, at New Orleans. Then the that's Jets tough. and the Dolphins and the Jaguars and the Raiders. So they Ooh, could that's a good October, November they, stretch. I six and three going into their bye week seems pretty good. Yeah, I like that. Um, all right. Anyway, why they're so fascinating? Like Tyrod Taylor and Philip Rivers are so different. And I just how did you how did you tackle this team? <laughs> we tackled it very differently. <laughs> um, I have forty fewer plays. Uh, only 20 fewer rushes, but closer to 40 fewer passes. Or, excuse me, 50 fewer plays. Um, so I have a little bit more of a run lean. I have this shifting a lot more to like how Tyrod Taylor's teams were in, in Buffalo. Uh, but I also have Justin Herbert for, projected for about 40% of the snaps. So I didn't go all the way there. I, I still projected them for 499 passes, which is very low, but in Tyrod Taylor's time in Buffalo, this was a team that threw about 450. That was a team that threw about 450, 460 passes uh, per game, per year, um, which is incredibly low. So, yeah, I um, and I lowered it when Ben sent that note that we had a 40 play difference. I looked and saw that I had them slightly above league median, and I lowered them to league median. It was interesting. They they were really slow with Wisenhunt as the offensive coordinator, really like the last three years. When they fired him last year, that the new offensive coordinator, and I can't say his name the right way, his first name Shane. Um, <laughs> last name Steichen? Steichen? I think it's Steichen. Station. Okay. So. They, they got super fast. I don't know. That I don't think they probably will be this year, but they, they played a lot faster after he took over for Wizen hunt. Um, I got him. I'm just trying to put him at league average. I think I had a typo and typed a nine instead of a zero at the end of their play numbers before it doesn't make much difference in any of the projections. Um, I do think like I've got him at 530 pass attempts. That would obviously be a career high for Taylor. I don't know. I don't think we know. Yeah, it's a tough team to project for sure. I I thought what was interesting is Heath and I have talked about Eckler a lot this offseason. I have Eckler projected for a lot more rush attempts than Heath. Yeah, well, Heath yet, has, look, look at Heath's projections for Justin Jackson and Josh Kelly. You have both of them over 100 carries. Yeah, I've got uh, – I don't have Eckler having a huge increase in role. But you do have his reception still very high, and I think they're going to fall even more than you have. I have him for 12 fewer receptions than you. And so even though you have well, almost, say the, and this say gets the back to high-value touches and, and all those things, you know, I have him projected for, what is that, 34 more rush attempts, and he still hasn't projected for 21 more fantasy points. So that's how valuable the receiving role is. Okay, to give the numbers, Heath has 77 catches for Eckler. Ben has 65 for Eckler. Heath's brought this up a lot. LaShawn McCoy was very involved in the passing game in Buffalo when Tyrod Taylor was the quarterback. Yeah, but who are their receivers? I mean, we talked about this. Sammy Watkins and Robert Woods? Robert Woods was a, was a nothing. <laughs> they were but, really but good. No, but Robert Woods, was, <laughs> Robert Woods is the reason why... Not the year that LaShawn McCoy <laughs> led the team in targets. That was not who they had. But Robert Woods is, is the reason... One of the reasons why I'm just... I'm not excited about drafting anybody on this team. Maybe Eckler. Eckler and PPR, sure, but like, look at how good Robert Woods is now, and he was nothing on Buffalo. I I really don't like Tyrod Taylor for fantasy. I just don't like it at all, and I'm certainly not going to like Justin Herbert. I, 
the other, I will say like the biggest thing for me about the chargers, because I understand what you're saying about his effect on Keenan Allen and Mike Williams for sure. Yeah. Maybe even Hunter Henry. I'm not sure. Um, but I do like Taylor. If he plays those first nine games, we just said as the starting quarterback with Austin Eckler, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry and running the ball eight times a game or six times a game, five times a game. No, it's ironic that he could be probably bad for the receivers, but he himself could end up being maybe the best value on the team. Well, and he's a he's a super safe um, quarterback. Like he will take some deep shots if it's wide open. But the the reason that Bills fans would email us and say, "Well, you guys like him," or the reason we don't like him is he won't ever throw into coverage and he takes too many sacks and he takes off running and won't throw the ball. I do think he he doesn't mind dumping the ball off short and just getting it to the guy it's supposed to go to as quick as possible. So, do you want to talk about the wide receivers quickly here? Um, I'm, the only one I'm interested <laughs> in is Mike Williams at cost. Keenan Allen it, it is going to look too much like like a what people think Jarvis Landry is, even though Jarvis Landry is better than that, but he's going to be, you know, he doesn't have enough efficiency and he's a, he needs targets and he needs receptions. And it's just, it's going to be tough to come by. Mike Williams has a chance as a downfield guy. What, and what do you Henry, have for the targets for Allen and Williams? 130 for Allen, 92 for Williams. You have 134 and 86. It looks like yeah, on yeah. this sheet. Okay. So we're, we're close. I, I have a little bit more going towards Williams. Um, and Henry, if he if he falls, I just took him in Scott Fishbowl, which is a tight end premium league. He was falling in that league. Yeah, uh, Keenan Allen is going twenty third wide receiver. He's between DJ Chark and Terry McLaurin. Thoughts? I would way rather take those young guys. I would rather have the young guys in non PPR. <laughs> I think in PPR, I'd probably still rather have Allen than Chark. We've got the NFC West, really, really loaded division this year. Super fun for fantasy. That's coming up next on Fantasy Football Today. Stick around. The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at newbalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. All right, welcome back to the show, everybody. Remember, we have a mailbag coming up on Friday, so email us at fantasyfootball at cbsi.com and please leave us oh. a nice review on Apple Podcast Review. And what happened? Did something just happen in the Scott Fishbowl? Yes. Oh, what happened? I wanted Tariq Cohen at the end of the 12th, and he went one pick before me. Uh, I took Tariq Cohen in the 11th. Um, I wanted Jerry Judy, and he went one pick before me, so I hope that makes you feel better. Uh, I want a new team in the Scott Fishbowl. <laughs> <laughs> your team's your team's fine. You think I don't know if it is. I don't know. Yeah, I think it's fine. Like you don't you only have one receiver still and yeah, one running back through s- seven picks for me. Yeah, 
One receiver. No, I have three running backs. I took okay. I took two running backs. I did an interesting thing that maybe maybe could work in redraft. You want to you want to dip into the exciting rookie and then the veteran who might be replaced. You don't know which way to go. I took DeAndre Swift and Damian Williams to you know get a little bit of both sides of that. Of that I coin. just took Carry on Johnson in the twelfth round. That's a great. I love it. It's a great. I'll be looking for him later. All right. So anyway, the 49ers. He just went right before Cohen, and I was looking at him too. But I'm gonna take Phil Lindsay. 49ers here, 10 and a half wins. Under. Interestingly barely. low. Yeah. You're going under too? Mm. I'll take 10. Yeah. I it's 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 it wants you to bet the over considering they won 13 times last year, right? I don't know. I don't know. I don't got to bet. Uh I'm going to change the number to no. <laughs> <laughs> We've like I understood taking the out when it was the number right on like if it was 10 and you were just say 10 so you didn't have to it was 10 and a half you got to pick one no i've i've done i've taken on the number on a half number multiple times multiple it's true times. he does not like this game he just does it you're out of the no, intro come on you if you're giving betting advice there's got to be times when you say that there's not a bet that you would take and this is that's where i'm at i don't think we're giving betting advice okay i know but. i'd say that uh, we're just giving opinion. Uh, all right, numbers to know. Uh, it is in here I have five, the amount of times Jimmy Garoppolo scored at least 20 fantasy points in 2019. But that's not good enough. Here's the number you need to know. In 2019, Jimmy Garoppolo was third in the NFL in yards per attempt. In 2018, Nick Mullins was fifth. And in 2017, Jimmy Garoppolo led the NFL, but he didn't qualify. He only had 178 passes, but 8.8 yards per attempt led the NFL. You've got... George Kittle, who's a yak monster, and maybe Debo, Debo Samuel, Brandon Ayuk, and just they, like they have just been an incredibly efficient offense, uh, throwing the ball in terms of yards per attempt. That stands out to me. And uh, your projections for Jimmy Garoppolo really are quite different, even though it's QB 23 for Heath, QB 24 for Ben, but Heath has 4,276 passing yards. Ben has 3,854. We're talking more than 400. And look at our our play splits. They're almost identical. So I obviously have Garoppolo being a lot less efficient, which is. I project. I have Garoppolo as the second most efficient quarterback behind Patrick Mahomes because he's kind of been the second most efficient quarterback for a year and a half. I might need to. It's not very long. But. Yeah, no, it's interesting. It's a lot of it is yards after catch, obviously, but. It's a it's an interesting stat to me because it just makes me think like if their defense takes a spe- step back. By the way, they weren't that good of a defense in 2017 and 2018. They're going to throw more, and we never talk about Garoppolo as a sleeper, or rarely is he a sleeper. He's just not going to throw enough. Holy crap! <laughs> you have some like really high efficiency on these young receivers too. I kind of like it. I gotta get. I gotta give this another look for sure. 9.4 yards per target for Debo, 8.95 for, for IU. And I probably just regress these guys under like eight yards per attempt because they're, you know, young guys and they see shallower targets, but I'm going to need to readjust that. Yeah, I'm probably too high. Uh, I thought the number to know was 14. And that is? Including the playoffs where he Mostert only had two games last year with more than 14 carries. All right, so tell me, Ooh, tell that me was a you... good number to know because he also doesn't catch any passes, which people don't realize. Tell me, how, I think people realize. I hope people realize that. Tell yeah, me how you so. how you broke down the backfield. 
It's pretty close to even for me. I have Mostert with 19 more carries than Tevin Coleman. I have Coleman with 11 more catches than Raheem Mostert. I've got Jarek McKinnon with 92 touches, which some of those could go to Jeff Wilson. But um, I expect there, like, will it'll be a San Francisco backfield situation as it usually is. You know what I don't like? I'm gonna call you out. Okay. I, don't, I don't like 70 carries for Jarek McKinnon. I feel like that's too much. Ben is 35. How many does he have for Jeff Wilson? That's a good question. I have 33 for Jeff Wilson. So 68 for the two of them. I don't have Jeff Wilson listed, (laughs) so there you go. Take take 35 of those, give them to Jeff Wilson, and we're good. Fine, fine. Uh, I don't know. I mean, how many times did they really use three running backs in the running game without one of them leaving with an injury? I kind of feel like they were a two-back system mostly. Well, we we have we both have Mostert for over our right around 170 and Coleman for right around 150 rushes, and then we have the other backs combining for 70. Yeah, that's really not so. much. Yeah. Okay, so what, do you have anything else? You basically have Mostert and Coleman projected extremely similarly in in terms of where they end up because you have more catches for Coleman. And That's why I draft a ton of Tevin Coleman, right. and I haven't drafted Raheem Mostert yet. I might take Tevin Coleman along with Philip Lindsay right now in the Scott Fishbowl. How we did you guys out. factor in the Debo Samuel injury? Like, what do you do about that? I made he him and Ayuk basically equal in terms of targets, and they won't be if Debo Samuel is ready week one. I think he'll um, he'll get more targets than Ayuk, but if Samuel's on the uh, Pup list, then Ayuk I, has a chance to break out and be a uh, you know low end number two, high end number three receiver. I don't. I that's the thing I don't know though. Like even if one of these two is not involved, I have a hard time seeing a 49ers wide receiver being better than like twentieth or twenty fourth, like in that range. Ben, yeah, you have seven. Probably fair. You have seven and a half touchdowns for George Kittle. I don't remember if it's five or six, but. Nobody in the last three years under Shanahan has caught more than five or six touchdowns uh, in San Francisco. Does that matter to you? Because um, it doesn't matter to me, for the record. It maybe should. Kittle had two or three touchdowns called back by uh, penalty last year, and he scored five times in 14 games. I bumped up his, his TD rate a little bit because I remembered that penalty stat. Maybe a little high, but it would not surprise me at all if he has a seven or eight touch, touchdown season. Plus, I think he was close to it last year. If if some of those penalties didn't happen, he would have hit it. You know what I'm going to say? He missed the what? game against the Cardinals. Jimmy Garoppolo threw 45 passes. If I tell you, Jimmy Garoppolo threw 45 passes against the Cardinals, give me your projected line for George Kittle. 12? <laughs> yep. 397? <laughs> no, yeah, basically. 397 touchdowns. Although, if George Kittle had played, Jimmy Garoppolo probably wouldn't have needed to throw 45 passes. That's a very good point. Maybe. But Ross Dwelly scored twice last year. Were those in those games against the Cardinals? Probably. Probably. He, played, he, started, uh, he started when Kittle was out. Yeah, he had two TDs against Arizona. So there you go. <laughs> Kittle should have scored seven touchdowns or maybe 10 last year. Uh, Seattle. The other game that Kittle missed last year. Nine and a half wins for Seattle. Oh, that's a tough one, too. I'll, I, it's see, Seattle's one of the hardest teams. I, I live up here, and somebody, a buddy of mine asked how good they're going to be, and I was like, if you rank them in the top five, 
I wouldn't have that hard of a time disagreeing because Russell Wilson is, I think, the second best quarterback in the league. And if you rank them middle of the pack because their coaching staff holds back Russell Wilson and they don't have really enough talent around him, I wouldn't disagree with that either. It's like, how much value do you put on Russell Wilson? Over. <laughs> yeah, he puts a lot of value on Russell Wilson. Very different approaches to that. Well, the number to know, oh my gosh, Ben, your projection for Russell Wilson is so pardon this word, but it's very sexy. makes me very (laughs) excited to draft him. 4,400 passing yards, which would be a career high. 35 passing touchdowns plus another 360 rushing yards and two touchdowns. You both have him QB4, QB3, but Ben has a much more aggressive projection for Wilson. So the number to know is 31. Four times in the past five years, Russell Wilson has thrown at least 31 touchdowns. And he's done that despite finishing the top 10 in pass attempts just once in those five seasons. And when I say that, so like he throws a lot of touchdowns, he's got a great touchdown rate, right? Does that does that make you think that there's like hidden downside with Russell Wilson? That if his is a normal touchdown rate, that he might throw like twenty six touchdowns and and no, uh-oh. his his touchdown rate is just like Aaron Rodgers' peak when he kept doing it every year, which is because he's so efficient throwing the ball, because his completion percentage is so high, because he throws touchdowns on first downs, he doesn't have to throw passes on second and third downs, so he doesn't throw a lot of passes because of that. Rodgers never got near 600 passes back in the day. My only argument against that would be that 2016 Russell Wilson and the past two years of Aaron Rodgers would say, yeah, there's some hidden downside because those two years, Wilson or those three years, Wilson and Rodgers were well below their career norm and touchdown rate and closer to league average. And they weren't near as good in fantasy because of it. 2016, he was... Wilson was like QB eight, but that was the year he hurt his ankle in week one. Pretty sure that was the year. Uh, and he just, I was just looking at that. I think it might've been actually the year after. Cause that's the really? year, the year after is the year he, he had the really slow uh, rushing yardage total. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. 2016. He was good as a passer. His yards per attempt were right there at his career average. He threw for 4,200 oh, no. yards. No, 2016 is the year he had the low rushing yards. I was looking at the wrong thing. Sorry. I think that is the year he hurt his ankle. But it didn't affect any of his passing except for the touchdowns. All right, you guys, uh, you have Carson as RB12 for Heath, RB17 for Ben, even though the numbers are not all that dissimilar, but uh, 18 more carries for Heath and more than 100 more rushing yards, but the receiving numbers are very similar. Um, But I think Lockett versus Metcalf is really the interesting thing here. they, They go very close to each other in drafts. Is there a statistical justification for drafting Metcalf over Lockett? No. It's a really thin one. I have a hard time with it. I mean, I I think it's that second year breakout thing that rookie receivers who are very efficient in year one tend to see an increase in volume. And there's, you can make cases in in that regard, but I think it would be pretty thin because you'd have to really justify downgrading Lockett in a way that I don't think there's anything in Lockett's profile that, that, that is, you know, defends that. So it's just, you have to think, you have to love DK Metcalf, I think, and just look at him and say he's got potential to do such great things. The thing is, like, even if, for me at least, even if Metcalf got 10 more targets than Lockett, Lockett's tied with Tyreek Hill for the most efficient wide receiver since they've been measuring your those types of things. So I think Lockett would still be better, even if Metcalf got slight. Like, I've got Lockett with only five more targets than DK Metcalf, but 150 more yards. 
Yeah. I mean, last year he had 10 more targets, but he caught 24 more passes. That's how much better his catch rate was. He had a lower average depth of target, but he also sees downfield play uh, targets and makes plays on them. He had 157 more yards as well with only 10 fewer targets. So he's projecting makes perfect sense. Oh, well, you both have quite a gap. Like Ben has Lockett wide receiver 13 and Metcalf wide receiver 27. And Heath has Lockett wide receiver 15 and Metcalf wide receiver 31. Um, the tight ends don't factor in all that much. Is there anything else you want to add about this team? I think the volume is really interesting. I have, we have the same amount of plays. I have them throwing, I can't do math in my head right now, 27 more passes and, and running 27 fewer times. Heath's probably closer to their, their typical rates. Um, I took Russell Wilson's comments at the Super Bowl to be pretty interesting. This guy's never, he's kind of always followed the, the the team line, never really spoken out about specific stuff like that. And he came out and said he wants to play more up-tempo, wants to be in control of the offense more, likes what they do in the two-minute drill. I think they're going to pass more this year by design. He'll still be efficient, I think. And that's why I have such a monster projection for him. To the Rams, eight and a half wins for the Rams. Over. Over. They were still nine and seven last year, weren't they? Uh, Yes. Uh, you know that we all think of it as a huge disappointing year. They were still over that. So that feels like a good bet. Wait, I, they, were they? Yeah, they were nine and seven, third place. Okay. Um, okay. 15.9% is the number to know. Just 15.9% of the Rams' targets went to tight ends in 2017 and 18. And then in the last five games, um, Higby and Woods accounted for 53% of Josh Jared Goff's pass attempts. So they just. They just changed as an offense in the second half of the season. And that is probably where we should start. Just a quick ADP review. Jared Goff is QB 17 between Roethlisberger and Burrow. Cam Akers round five. Daryl Henderson, RB 49 much later. Malcolm Brown, RB 67. Cooper Cup and Robert Woods, uh, round four picks. Cooper Cup's like end of round three, round four. Robert Woods is in this wide receiver run in round four. Uh, it goes Amari Cooper, then Cooper Cup. And then DJ Moore, and it goes AJ Brown, Robert Woods, DK Metcalf, and Tyler Higby is the sixth tight end off the board. Okay, but is this going to be a team that features the tight end like they did toward the end of last year? Or are they going to go back to featuring the three receiver? You know, what are they going to look like we're, this year? We're almost at the end of projections week, Adam. I think that we've done this and with these types of things enough times that you can guess what the answer from Ben and I is going to be. And maybe Ben's answer won't be the same as mine, but I'm going to guess that it is. What do you think our answer is going to be? I think Ben is going to have more tight end love than Heath. My answer would be we're hedging. Okay. They threw the ball to their tight ends 85 times in 2018, 88 times in 2017, 156 times last year. I have them for 126 targets to the tight ends. I wrote all pass options have upside could be very pass heavy. Again, that was like my number one note on this team. I'm hedging as well. He's right. (laughs) (laughs) I would just like to see them now that they don't have Todd Gurley, who has had 54 touchdowns in the last three seasons. I, I would just like to see them, you know, share the touchdowns a little bit more. Let's talk about that. Todd Gurley, like they, it almost felt like they were just deferring to Todd Gurley, like, here, go get your numbers. You know, 54 touchdowns in three seasons, 12 of them receiving. 
Do you think that that means more touchdown passes for Jared Goff? Do you think Robert Woods finally becomes like a touchdown guy? You know, what does that stat mean anything to you? Oh, it certainly means something. There's a lot of touchdowns that are that are available, whether it's the running backs that get it, and, and then that would mean, well, whoever gets the majority of them in the backfield is going to be good. Or if it shifts to the passing, then that means, yeah, somebody's going to catch a lot of touchdowns in the passing game. Like, yeah, it means something. I have it pretty much that the running backs are going to get it, but that's just chopped up because of the way they've talked. Like Gurley was getting most of the rushing and the receiving touchdowns. I've got, I've got the three running backs combining for 16 touchdowns. Um, I don't, I don't know. There, there was not very much at all for this group in the passing game last year, just 62 targets for all the running backs combined. I lean towards Henderson being the guy in the passing game. Well, if you're the second running back and you're not thinking more than 60 or 70 targets for the position, there's almost nothing in the passing game for Cam Akers. Um, and I've got Malcolm Brown with four and a half touchdowns, which is too high of a touchdown rate, but it sounds like at least early in the year, they want to use him as their short yardage guy. I think Cam Akers could eventually take that away. You have 214 carries. I'm sorry, Ben. 214 carries for Akers. Why don't we stay on the running backs here? Because that's a big number from Heath compared to just 161 for Ben. Yeah, I want to talk about the running backs receiving uh, because Heath just made a really good point. (laughs) And I I also kept the running backs receiving low. I'm just not going to listen to whatever you just asked. (laughs) Uh, I, I also kept their receiving low, like he said. And I think for a lot of teams, it's it's either the running backs or the tight ends, especially when the team has receivers that they use. And and the Rams do. The Rams are an over 60% target team to their receivers, have been uh, each of the last several seasons. Um, and I'm expecting that again, even though Brandon Cooks is not going to be there. And that means it's either the tight ends or the backs. And so if you're projecting something for Higby, you're probably not expecting a lot of targets to the backs. Okay, now can you talk about 214 carries for Akers for Ben for Heath 161 for uh, for Ben. Yeah, it looks like I have a lot more for Henderson, um, and I have a way more way more of a pass lean than Heath. Uh, I kind of I kind of think that that commentary about the deference to to Gurley, like now that he's gone and they have someone certain in the backfield, I kind of think that means that they will rely more on Jared Goff and they will be a little bit more pass heavy, like I said. And and I think these pass weapons are going to have upside because it should be fairly concentrated. I think there's a little bit of sleeper potential for Josh Reynolds, who I think will probably start over Van Jefferson early in the year. Uh, I think Gerald Everett could easily be their fourth best weapon. Actually, they could be a team that winds up with two valuable tight ends. Uh, But yeah, that's kind of the way I'm looking at that. Okay. And then the wide receivers, Cooper cup wide receiver nine for Ben or for, uh, for Heath wide receiver 12 for Ben and Robert Woods is wide receiver 19 for Heath and wide receiver 14 for Ben both these guys, 85 or more catches uh, in the projections. So that's that's wonderful. Uh, and let's go. And Tyler Higby. Actually, you guys are a little low on Tyler Higby. 11th for Heath and 9th for Ben in the projections. You rank it that way? I rank him 9th or 10th. I have him 10th in PPR and ninth in my projections of PPR. So I actually have, yeah, I have a spot behind in my rankings. And part of that's because I still have 40 targets going to Gerald Everett. Yep. Okay, yeah, because he's tied in seven. Everett. He's tied in seven in uh, in ADP. And finally, we uh, we conclude with the Arizona Cardinals. Seven wins for the Cardinals. Under. Right on the nose. <laughs> Excellent. <laughs> Excellent. Okay, uh, this is not a good red zone team. 38.8% is the number to know. They scored on 38.8% of their drives in 2019. 
That was the ninth highest rate in the NFL, but 21.3% ended in touchdowns, 20th in the league. Kyler Murray, just bad luck. I don't know, but bad production, which wasn't there in the red zone, hurt his numbers. He's the third quarterback off the board. Kenyon Drake is the ninth running back. He's a round one pick. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins. DeAndre Hopkins, ADP, third overall at wide receiver. Anyway, 16th overall, sorry, and third wide receiver. And then Christian Kirk is wide receiver 39. Let's look at Kyler Murray's rushing yards. Heath, what the heck, man? You've like 120 yards less than he had last year. Well, I've got him with like 30 more pass attempts. If he throws the ball more, he's probably going to run the ball less. Um, And I regressed his yards per carry for sure. He was at uh, 5.8 last year. I think I've probably got him at 5. So a little bit less efficiency and uh, a few fewer carries. Let me see. I've got him at 80 rushes at 5.3. So correct. Yeah, you have 425 rushing yards for Murray and you have him as QB6. Ben has 531 rushing yards and QB4. Correct me if I'm wrong. I have a few more attempts, but I also have him at 5.5 yards per carry. So that's kind of interesting. Correct me if I'm wrong. It's a little bit more volume, a little bit more efficiency. We're not that far off. Last year, this was a a fast-paced team in terms of like snap time, but didn't run a lot of plays. I think they were like 21st or something in plays. Is that right? Yep. Yep. Fourth in time to snap in situation neutral situations. God, I say that backwards every time. And uh, like 21st in plays or whatever. So I'm expecting their play volume to increase quite a bit. Uh, I think I have their play volume increasing a little bit. Well, Ben has 28 more plays. So, so he's probably, they're, they're probably one of his fastest teams and they're still uh, closer to average for me. Uh, Kenyon Drake, not getting quite to the 50 catch mark, 49 for, for Heath, 47 for Ben, but getting over 220 carries and you both have him as RB 10. What else, uh, what else do you want to highlight here? I, we know I had a feeling that Ben would be a little higher on Christian Kirk, 10 spots higher, 42 for Wide receiver 42 for Heath, wide receiver 32 for Ben, despite just six more targets. You have, I guess, a lot more efficiency for Christian Kirk. Yeah, I have more efficiency for Kyler Murray. Um, Only had a 2.4% pass TD rate in the first half. That's when that stat about them settling for field goals was at its worst. There was that one game where they kicked like three field goals inside the five-yard line in the same game, wouldn't go for it on a fourth down. Uh, I, You know, he's a rookie quarterback starting from week one. Second half of the season, his pass CD rate jumps to 5.2%. Now, I don't think he's going to he's gonna sit at 5.2%, but I think there's reason to believe that he got a lot better throughout the season at, at you know finishing those drives and, and just natural maturation. And now he's got a whole offseason to get better. I think this guy's actually really good. He had a really good completion percentage, underrated for, for a rookie. I think that's going to take a little step forward. I got his uh, TD percentage taking a step forward. And then I had them throwing a lot more passes. And if that all happens – it's good for Christian Kirk because Larry Fitzgerald's going to be there on the field, but he's not going to be like a big of uh, a big play guy. Hopkins is going to obviously be very good as well, but Kirk has the you know Chris Godwin type upside. I really do believe that. I said that uh, before this offseason. Whoa, yeah, um, yeah. and I, I just want to be clear, like with the Kyler Murray thing, because I'm always the anti Kyler Murray guy. He was 3.7% touchdown rate last year. I've got him projected at 4.6, so a pretty massive leap there. He was 6.9 yards per attempt last year. I've got him projected at 7.5. So, like, what I all these at, things? 
What's that? I got him at I have at five percent TD rate, and I have him at seven point four yards per attempt. So yeah, so for all the me, like I think he's going to be better. I think he's going to break out. I just think that like him at QB three is drafting him more at his ceiling than it is at what you should expect. Well, what's his floor? Because that's where like I, I keep seeing people compare him to Baker Mayfield last year, where everyone was expecting Baker to take this year two jump, but Murray's floor because of the rushing has to be higher than Baker's was last year. Oh yeah, for sure. I don't think he's probably like, I think his floor's close to what he did last year, which was like yeah. what QB 14 or 15 on a per game basis um, in six point per pass touchdown leagues and even better in four point. Um, I don't think he's going to be as awful as Baker was, but I think there is a, there's a real risk of taking him in the fifth round as the third quarterback. And he's just not somebody that's, He's not bad, but he's just not really a help. Yep. By the way, I never got to say this uh, when we did the NFC East. And since Ben won't be on the show tomorrow, um, I don't think you should be so high on Evan Ingram. I know you like to draft him. Do you know who the Giants tight ends coach is? No. Freddie Kitchens. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. I'm sorry to ruin Evan Ingram for you, man. Oh, God. You just ruined him for me. Yeah, yeah. He's definitely, that. definitely going to be starting Caden Smith. <laughs> All right. Here comes uh, Tyler Higby and, and yep. all these guys Bring rising up. up my ranks as Ever Negram starts the free fall. All right. Hey, guys, thank you. You put in so much work uh, project for this show. And, you know, projections, I, I appreciate it. You know, it was easy for me, but it was a tough, uh, hardworking week for you guys. So thank you for pulling the weight. Much appreciated. Thanks to uh, all of you all for listening and for sending us your questions, which we'll read on tomorrow's show. Ben's in the intro. Big day here on Fantasy Football Today, and we'll talk to you again on Friday. Keep it real. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or... I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.